Shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hey, it's Ty Smith of the Spokane Chiefs. It's Adam Bocas. Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs. Hey, it's Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hi, I'm Dominic Fox. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Hills Oilers. It's Joe Bryan. Hi, it's Barrett Hayden of the Sioux Greyhounds. Brady Kachuk from the Boston University Terriers. Major Junior. In the 100th year of the Memorial Cup, the Ankeny Panthers T-Tall have won it for the first time. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. The Buffalo Sabres are proud to select Trollunda defenseman Rasmus Dahlin. And more. Oh, yes! Oh, my goodness. We're not going home yet, baby! This is the Pipeline Show. Here we go. All right, this is the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Welcome to the program. If you're uh, new to the Pipeline Show, then thanks for stopping by. Thanks for downloading this particular episode, and we hope you'll be back for more. If you've been a longtime listener to the show, then thank you for the continued support as always we start with the question of the day i uh, added that to twitter earlier this morning and the question pretty basic one as uh, in the off season which is july uh the questions can be uh, fairly generic the uh, question today is uh, about rivalries which uh, in my opinion makes sports great and uh, as you the fan i want to know which team you hate the most and why and there's a few reasons it could be. I mean, it could be uh, that that team is a longtime rival of your favorite team. Uh, maybe it's a, a, got a player or a, a coach that you don't like. Something about them rubs you the wrong way. Maybe it's uh, something as simple as you hate their uniforms or their team name or something like that. Uh, let me know who that team is and why you don't like them. Uh, I got a number of responses. Brian starts it off. says, any college from Minnesota, as I was a Fighting Sioux fan growing up, now the Fighting Hawks. Lucas said the spit two wolves, and I don't get the joke. He says it has to do with corner gas, and uh, I don't watch the show, so uh, I don't know what the uh, the joke is there. But uh, he's a longtime Sioux Greyhounds fan, so uh, maybe Greyhound fans will know what uh, Lucas is referring to. Uh, Jimmy Conley from USCHO, longtime uh, contributor here on the show. He says, as a UMass Lowell alum, I never liked BU, as that was our top rival. But great rivalries are based on both teams feeling like they are one another's rival, and I can't say BU cares much about hating Lowell. Bonnie says the rivalry between the Grand Prairie Storm and the Bonneville Pontiacs in the late 90s, early 2000s era, they rubbed each other so wrong, and it was fantastic. But I don't know which side of that rivalry Bonnie falls on. Uh, Paula Weston, also from USCHO, she says S-U-N-Y Plattsburgh, says it's uh, Division Three hockey and the stakes are low, but the S-U-N-Y-fueled irrational hatred is high. She says hatred is too strong of a word, actually. So there's one from Paula, who you've heard on the Pipeline show in the past. Uh, an Oil King fan who uh, who joined as a season seat holder uh, back during the uh, the big arch rival days with the Portland Winterhawks uh, says it's the, the Portland Winterhawks for him. Holly says it's the Everett Silvertips for her, originally just due to geographical closeness, now due to the fans who are classless, and clueless, which puts in brackets. They do have some okay fans, too. Aaron says, as a North Dakota alum, it's easily the University of Minnesota. No questions asked, hands down. 
He hates the Golden Gophers. And uh, Brad, who is from Kitchener, says the London Knights. And uh, that, obviously, because uh, those two franchises have a long history of hating each other. So that's the question of the day. You can uh, chime in with your thoughts at TPS underscore Gee is is my Twitter handle. You can uh, follow me there if you're not already. Uh, Just a couple of quick news and notes items before we get to what's coming down the pipe today. The Spokane Chiefs have hired Manny Viveros, a former head coach of the uh, Swift Current Broncos, a couple of years ago when uh, they went on to uh, win the WHL championship. Last year, he was on the bench with the NHL's Edmonton Oilers. Uh, But he is uh, back in the WHL now with uh, Spokane taking over for Dan Lambert, who, who a couple of months ago signed with the Nashville Predators. Two NHL player signings out of the Western Hockey League as well. Both players just recently drafted. Kirby Dock, who was taken third overall by the Chicago Blackhawks, has been signed by those Blackhawks. And Alexi Protus has signed with the Washington Capitals as well. Uh, various other signings around the Canadian Hockey League and some college free agent signings as well. One of the, That's one of the good things about Elite Prospects is uh, right on their main page. They have a list of transfers and you can always go there and uh, see what's the most recent uh, movement around uh, the world of hockey, whether it's uh, a prospect hockey or with the pros. And uh, no- just noted earlier today that uh, former Edmonton Oil King Andre Pavlenko has signed in the KHL with his hometown team. That would be uh, Dynamo Minsk in Minsk, Belarus. So uh, good for him. Goes right from the Edmonton Oil Kings to the KHL. All right, let's get to what's coming down the pipe. Another big show in continuing on with the Ask the Commission a theme that we've got going here for July. Uh, Today we're going to lead it off with a a lengthy conversation with Gilles Courteau, the uh, commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Lots of territory covered uh, with uh, Mr. Courteau, as that league's been in the news, uh, and not always for uh, good reasons, which we cover with him as well. So uh, we'll get to that uh, momentarily. That's going to lead off the show. From there, uh, another Ask the Commission. In fact, it'll be an Ask the Prez segment. Uh, Bill Chow from the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, one of the 10 Junior A leagues in Canada that uh, fall under the umbrella of the CJHL. We had uh, Kevin Abrams, who was the commissioner for the CJHL. We had him on a couple of weeks ago. But I threw the question out last week, uh, which league do does the audience want to hear more about? And the SJHL was one of the more prominent ones. So I set that conversation up and uh, had chatted with Bill Chow on Monday share that with you today. And uh, lastly, uh, last week, I had Jerry Johansson from the Sports Corporation on. He's an agent that's based here in Edmonton, uh, going south of the border and and having a chat today with uh, Colby Drost, who uh, runs Paragon Sports Consulting out of Chicago. Uh, So we'll get a different perspective on uh, uh, being a a family advisor. Colby Drost has been actually behind the scenes uh, with the, the Dubuque Fighting Saints out of the USHL for the last three or four years. Uh, so making that transition to being a family advisor. We'll talk to him about that and uh, his perspective on uh, some of the the uh, junior leagues and the options for players south of the border. So that's the guest list today. We're going to start, though, with uh, Gilles Corteau. A couple of things to pass on. No WHL segment today. If it was, it would be an in-the-dub segment, which is always brought to you by dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening around the Western Hockey League by going to dubnetwork.ca and... Uh, their brother site now is they've expanded to covering the Ontario Hockey League as well, so ohlnetwork.ca. And I know they are looking for uh, more team writers uh, in the Western Hockey League, 
as a, I believe there are some sponsorship options uh, open right now too with uh, Dub Network. So if you want to do some uh, advertising, you can do that through Dub Network. Get a hold of Paul for more information. And lastly, want to mention uh, another a new partnership uh, for the uh, the Pipeline Show with ProStockHockey.com. The link is on uh, the website, thepipelineshow.com, on the uh, sponsors slash partners page. You click that link, it'll take you right to their website, which is ProStockHockey.com. It's your one-stop shop for all pro stock hockey equipment. Get new sticks from a variety of NHL players and teams for a fraction of the retail cost. Plus, every stick comes with a 30-day warranty and three free rolls of tape. There's a lot more than just sticks at uh, ProStockHockey.com. Go out and uh, check that website out. A lot of equipment that's made for NHL teams that is uh, available to the general public through ProStockHockey.com. All right, but let's get to the uh, meat of the show. And uh, up first, Gilles Courteau, the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's commissioner. It's Ask the Commissioner time. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Down there by Zaboral. Puck comes free. Ward's clearing play to the line. It skips out to center. Valeno trying to break shorthanded. Joe Valeno, penalty coming. Valeno deking, scores! Joe Valeno, shorthanded goal! Hey, it's Joe Valeno from the Drummondville Voltageurs, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Yes! That's awesome! Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. This week, as we uh, continue on with our Ask the Commish uh, segments here through the month of July, we'll be heading out to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. My CHL insider is the uh, commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, His name is Gilles Courteau. He's my CHL insider, which is, as always, brought to you by The Store Next Door. in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, there's a uh, place called The Store Next Door, employing people with disabilities, turning your broken hockey sticks into some really cool products uh, for your fan cave or your sports bar. I recommend you check out their website. It's thestorenextdoor.ca and see what you can do and, and what they might have to offer that would be of interest to you. Uh, my CHL insider today is the commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, Mr. Gilles Corteau. Welcome back to the Pipeline Show, sir. How are you this summer? I'm very good, thank you. About you? 
I'm doing well. I appreciate uh, you making the time. Uh, we were chatting. You you have lots of uh, uh, like conference calls and stuff to do right now. I, I think a lot of people would uh, fans would say, well, the, it's July. It's the the off season. You get to put your feet up and relax by the pool. That doesn't seem to be the case. You have lots going on. Yeah, I do. And it's funny that you, you raise that point, uh, Guy, because uh, I remember when I uh, started working at the league office uh, about uh, 42 years ago, uh, you know, I remember that the bus was uh, shutting down the office the whole month of July. <laughs> and uh, I, I try to keep it, you know, for when I, I became a president, uh, just before I, I've been named commissioner, when I became president, I try to keep, you know, the month of July off. And uh, after that, you know, it was uh, tougher and tougher. So I shut it down for two weeks. And, uh, you know, for the last, uh, let's say, 10 years, uh, I must say, you know, I, I met with the staff and I said, listen, guys, I said, uh, uh, you know, summertime is very busy. Everybody's getting ready for the next season. Uh, the training camp starts mid-August. So we have to keep the office open uh in july and uh, it's going to be a 12 month uh, business so uh uh you know they rotate on vacation but uh quebec major junior hockey league is uh is opened uh 12 months a year well and certainly this past season was a big one for the q uh the 50th season for the quebec major junior hockey league you had all the the celebration that goes along with that and and uh you had the two teams in the final of the memorial cup were both from your league the run around huskies Winning the Memorial Cup, it was quite the year for uh, for the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Yeah, we had a great uh, great year, you know, in our 50th anniversary uh, celebration. Uh, you know, we did the tour across uh, each and every team, and uh, you know, it was nice to meet uh, former players, former uh, GM coaches, uh, and even team owners. And uh, we had a good time. We uh, had a good chat with the fans as well um, through some of our sponsors. And, um, you know, we had, uh, amazing, uh, awards night, you know, when we've announced the top 10 players in the history of the, our 50th anniversary, everybody were there, seven except Sidney Crosby because he was still playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a good uh, playoff run and a uh, great Memorial Cup in Halifax was one of the best ever that I've seen, uh, from my years, uh, with, uh, with the, uh, KMGHL and the CHL. So Halifax did an outstanding job. And, uh, as you said, the two teams from our league, uh, were finalists for the second time, uh, in the history of the league. The last time was in 1986 with uh, Quebec and Moncton in Moncton and Quebec, uh, beat Moncton for, uh, to win the Memorial Cup, uh, champion. So it's a great feeling. To have uh, the two teams uh, from uh, from our league um, in the Memorial Cup final. Joe, you said you, you've been in the league office for over forty years now. When did you officially become the commissioner? Uh, in '86, uh, I've been named president by interim because uh, the president that we 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 have at that time was not a full time president. Uh, I was a kind of a, the executive director okay. at the KMGHL office, and uh, he resigned in February. It was our board of governors meeting at that time, and they named me by interim, and I'm there since then. Okay, very good. Uh, I had uh, Ron Robison from the WHL on the show last week, and, and what I told him was that uh, even though he and I speak a lot, and, and uh, I'm, I work inside the league as well with the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, the the audience right now that will be hearing this interview will be across North America, so not everybody that's hearing you and I speak right now will know a whole lot 
about the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. So some of these questions yeah. might might be you know fairly uh, generic. But uh, so when I when yeah. I when I ask you this, uh, there's a reason for it. What is the role of the commissioner in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League? Do you have ultimate authority to make rule changes, or is that all done by a, a committee uh, of uh, governors for each team? Well, you know, it's a very good question, D, because uh, I, I've seen the switch uh, from being a president to commissioner. And uh, as a commissioner, you have more power uh, running the league than uh, when you were president. And, uh, you know, uh, the commissioner can make uh, some decisions without consulting uh, the governors. But uh, on playing rules, and on the administrative rules, you know, uh, majority of the points we have to, I have to go back to the uh, Board of Governors for approval. And uh, what we do is we have what we call at the league office an orientation hockey committee right. formed by uh, six uh, GMs of different teams in the queue. And uh, we, we uh, take everything to them in regards of playing rules, administrative rules, you know, rules in regards of the draft and, uh, uh, waivers, trades, and all that. So we take it uh, through them. And uh, after that, you know, that committee makes some recommendation uh, to the Board of Governors for a vote. Uh, I know one of those rules, you mentioned the draft, and I, and I want to touch on that for a second, because one of those changes that, uh, I think this is maybe two or three years ago, but you, you've created a, you made a rule where every team had to draft a couple of American players. How long ago did you put that in? Uh, I think it, uh, it's been in place since, uh, four years now. Okay. That, uh, three, three years for sure. Sorry, Guy. Three years that, uh, we had, uh, we have a separate draft, uh, for American players. During the uh, regular draft, you know, teams are allowed to draft, uh, American players, but we have a specific draft for the American players and each and every team has to draft two players at that time. So, uh, it's, uh, it's very good. They, you know, means that for the American players that, uh, they have their uh, they have their own draft and it's well received and uh, you know it creates a buzz and uh, we're expecting to see more American players coming to play in our league. Yeah, I didn't know it was a separate draft. I thought it was just your your normal draft and through the course of that draft, every team had to take two players. I I didn't know that. Has it produced the results that you wanted it to? Well, I think that uh, it's uh, you know as uh, everything uh, new that we bring to the table, it's uh, it's something new. Uh, you know, same as the combine that we're doing in New England and during the course of the season. Uh, this is, uh, this is new as well. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, we last year, last two years, we had about, uh, 30 American players, you know, uh, per year playing in the, in the GMGHL. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just to, uh, refresh uh, memories of the GMGHL fans that, uh, a great American players came out of our league over the last uh, four years was uh, Connor Connor Garland, uh, who's playing now with uh, Phoenix at the NHL level. He's been a hell of a player in Moncton and uh, was a great ambassador. And he's very good to uh, speak positively about the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League to players from New England. Uh, he's a great ambassador for us, so uh, which is very good. Uh, would you like to get another franchise in uh, in Maine or expand into the United States again, or are you content to have just Canadian-based uh, franchises? Well, you know, uh, I think it's uh, one of my goals to uh, go back to the States, uh, to the New England area. Uh, 
I think that uh, we need to uh, go back there uh, with a minimum of two teams, hmm. um, you know, because uh, we need to create something same as uh, what we've done when we decide to go to the Maritimes, you know, when we went to Halifax to start with and the following year, Moncton came on board and now we have 16 from the Maritimes playing in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, uh, which is great. You know, all the uh, territory, our Mar- Maritime territory belongs to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Yep. Uh, and I think we need a presence uh, in the in the United States if we want to create a buzz and uh, convince players to come and play in a Quebec Major Junior Hockey. Because right now, we've tried uh, twice. We went to Plattsburgh uh, in the mid-80s. Uh, that team didn't finish the season. Um, wasn't successful. We had a good run with uh, Lewiston. They went to the Memorial Cup in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, after that, you know, they fall because, uh, once again, you know, that was, uh, difficult to create, uh, to create a rivalry or something like that. So, uh, you know, that's our next, uh, next step, uh, to look at, uh, at uh, some possibilities right now, you know, there's an open spot in, in Manchester. So if there's uh, anybody from uh, the area, uh, Manchester area that shows some interest to uh, uh, get to our league, uh, you know, I'm just a phone call away and uh, I'm going to pay attention and see what we can do. All right. Well, I'm glad you, you mentioned uh, at least one of the locations that you have in mind. Cause I, I think when fans here, we'd like to have two teams in the States that would be the next question. So Manchester, and would you go back to Lewiston if you could? Uh, no, I don't think so because uh, the the building is uh, is not up to the standard right now. Okay. And uh, I I think uh, that uh, you know uh, in the New England territory, most of the uh, territory, if you do not see all of them, they're occupied by uh, either uh, AHL team mm-hmm. or East Coast Hockey League franchise. So. There's no room right now. I know that uh, Manchester, uh, they were part of the uh, ECHL uh, league for the last couple of years and uh, they've not been successful. But I, I know it's a great uh, hockey town. And, um, you know, I, uh, I'm i open uh, to any proposal and see if we can do something. And after that, you know, we never know what's going to happen for the second market if we are able to bring Manchester on board. Okay, excellent. Could you get into Vermont or something? One of the, I don't think uh, you would, that that would be your territory, right? No, uh, we have the New England territory. Oh, you don't have Vermont. So okay. uh, no, we don't have Vermont. But this is something that uh, if Vermont ever show interest, uh, maybe we can sit down with the CHL and uh, look at this possibility as well. All right. Uh, Gilles Courteau, the uh, commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the uh, TV packages uh, that you have in the queue. Uh, I know out west uh, there there was a good TV, a regional TV package th- that uh, went away, and last year there wasn't one. Uh, what do you have in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for fans outside of the national coverage from Sportsnet? Yeah, we have uh, we have a, a good one with uh, TBA Sports. Uh, plus, uh, we have a couple, uh, uh, regional cable that they're doing a hell of a job. We have, uh, Eastling that they're covering Cape Breton, Halifax and, uh, Charlottetown. Uh, we have Rogers cable that they're, uh, covering, uh, Moncton, St. John and Bathurst. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, uh, Telus cable that they're covering, uh, Bicomo and Rimouski. 
So, and uh, we have uh, a local uh, community station in the uh, Montreal area that, that covers uh, all the teams based in uh, central of Quebec. Uh, you know, let's say from Shkudimi to uh, Gatineau uh, that uh, called Matt TV, uh, M-A-T-V. Hmm. So it's uh, very good. So we have, uh, we're very well covered uh, for original TV aspect and uh, our webcast as well too. Now the webcast, uh, what I would personally like to see is that there was a, there was one that covers the entire Canadian hockey league. I'm out west here and I, you know, I, I, I'd love to see a, a team from the WHL play uh, one night, uh, but earlier, because of the time zone differences, I could watch, you know, the Halifax Mooseheads play or something, if I could, if there was one package, instead of having to buy three uh, to cover each league. Is that something that's ever been talked about? Well, you know, that's, uh, that's a good point, because, uh, you know, for this year, we have, uh, for the 1920 season, we have New Lion. Who's going to be uh, our webcast, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, um, streaming. And, uh, you know, after that, it's going to be open. Um, and we'll go in the market to see, uh, 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 you know, which uh, company is going to be the best one or which one's going to have the uh, best uh, product to offer uh, to the CHL uh, and the three regional leagues because, uh, you know, streaming is... Uh, to me, I think it's uh, it's a great thing to have. It's a great thing to do um, for our product. Uh, if we want to bring new clientele in our building, uh, that's the focus that we have to put on because uh, everybody uh, in in today's life uh, they're uh, living with their cell phone, mm. and uh, you know this is something that we need to improve on our side. So we'll see from New Lion to uh, any other companies. Uh, that they show some interest to uh, be the official webcast uh, of the CHL. They, they'll be open to come up with uh, with the proposal to uh, to the CHL, and uh, we'll go from there. Speaking of uh, online and social media, I, I did have a question that came in on Twitter uh, from somebody, some people that uh, host a a podcast out in Moncton. Uh, they wanted me to ask you about. Uh, does the Q have a plan to move more into supporting social media podcasts or online streaming as fans are now younger and online more and more? And I, I wasn't sure exactly what he was getting at, but I'm, I'm guessing it's maybe getting uh, press credentials or uh, maybe access uh, to do interviews and things like that. Is that something that uh, is growing for the Q? Yes, it is something that uh, is going, uh, growing for the Q, and it's something that we have to uh, pay attention to. Uh, we have to give them time and uh, – you know, give them access to our players, coaches, uh, and, and all that. Because, uh, as you said, the it's uh, it, it's uh, very very um, popular uh, the podcast situation, and uh, uh, we we might we might uh, put uh, one podcast uh, as a league, uh, and uh, you know, do some uh, uh, players interview, coaches interview, and even some fans interview as well, and uh, you know, ask them a question about. Uh, what do they think about their home team? What do they think about the league in general? And uh, is there anything we can do to, we should do to improve our situation, all that, you know, and to try to uh, get closer to, as I said, a younger clientele. Uh, Gilles Couture, the commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, my guest. Not everything that's in the news is always positive, and uh, there have been a couple of things here uh, as of recently that uh, are on the other side of the ledger, put it that way. Um, there was a hazing allegation uh, put forth 
by Yaroslav Alexiev uh, from his tenure in uh, Sherbrooke, his rookie season back in 2016-17. Uh, I'm not going to get into the details of what he alleged happened, but uh, certainly uh, does not uh, reflect well on uh, what was happening in Sherbrooke that year. What's the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League's response to incidents like that, and specifically that one? I'm assuming there's some sort of investigation going on. Well, you know, the uh, the week following the uh, public announcement or public article that came out, uh, I've put, uh, you know, uh, an investigation in place through independent people, uh, lawyers and uh, private investigation company that they're working on it right now. Uh, they are doing uh, interviews with uh, players uh, and everything, and they'll get back to me with... Uh, a final report and some recommendation. Eventually, some something has to be done. There has to be some sort of uh, penalty for something like that. But who pays the price? Is that something that the 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 owner of the team would have to face, or the 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 GM, or the the head coach, or individual players? Uh, how do you look at at uh, penalizing uh, somebody like that? If uh, for the uh, for the uh, penalty or for the uh, sanctioning, if there is any, that's going to come from. Uh, the uh, report I'm going to get from the investigation and from the recommendation I'm, uh, I'm going to get as well. And uh, from there, I'm going to make the proper decision. Okay. And uh, if we have to uh, sanction someone, we will sanction the appropriate person. I assume there is a league policy against hazing, and I wouldn't say that's just a, a Quebec Major Junior Hockey League thing. I would assume at least all three leagues in the in the CHL would have something. Uh, what do you do to, to make sure this never happens? Well, it's uh, we have a rule in place, uh, and this rule has been in place for the last 15 years. Uh, there, uh, hazing is not permitted in the uh, KMGHL, and uh, I agree with you that that's the same across the CHL. Same thing in the Ontario, same thing in the West. I don't know when exactly that hazing rule has been put in place in each league, but in the Quebec Major Junior League, uh, we we have this rule for over 15 years uh, in place in uh, in our league, so we're very satisfied. Uh, you know, we've not heard anything uh, major other than what happened. Uh, what could have happened in Sherbrooke uh, through a media article, uh, through an interview that the media mm-hmm. uh, person did with uh, one of the uh, Sherbrooke former players? So we'll see uh, what's going to be the end of it. Also in the news is the uh, ongoing class action lawsuit against the uh, the Canadian Hockey League uh, from some players who are looking to get um, minimum wage payments, I guess. Um, from your uh, what's happening in the queue right now? Is there an update on on where things are are uh, where things are for your league in terms of that class action lawsuit? Well, about uh, just a little uh, over three weeks. Uh, it's been a decision by the judge that, uh, the certification has been awarded, uh, for the, uh, KMGHL to go to the, uh, the certification has been awarded for the benefit of the players to go to the, uh, main court, uh, the main class action subject. So, uh, right now, you know, there's no more development because, uh, uh, this is something that has been awarded out west to about out west in Ontario about two and a half years ago mm-hmm. uh, in Quebec because of the uh, uh, unavailability of the judge. Uh, you know, we've not been able to go to court before last December, and a decision has been rendered about three weeks ago. Uh, and uh, as I said, uh, you know, now you know certification has been awarded. We're the same as uh, the OHL and WHL, so we're going to 
the big trial. And uh, as of now, uh, Guy, there's no date uh, set for uh, any of the uh, next steps in regards of the uh, class action. All right. Well, we'll uh, wait to see how that plays out. Uh, let's talk about the scholarship package that uh, is offered by the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for all the players. And I know there's one in the WHL, the OHL as well. I know how the one out here works uh, where each player automatically gets one year of tuition and, and books covered uh, for each year that they play in the WHL. Is that basically the same as uh, what is offered from the Q? Well, you know, what uh, What we offer from the Q, it's about basically the same, but the player has to go to school while he's playing major junior uh, to uh, be able to get his uh, school package. And the school package is uh, uh, we give him a maximum of $6,000 a year uh, for four years, so he can get the maximum of $24,000. And in some cases, uh, teams, you know, they're allowed to give uh, to the player uh, up to $10,000 uh, in accordance with the KMGHL uh, standards for uh, a school package. So that's the benefit that a player can get playing in a major junior league, Quebec major junior hockey league, if he's not uh, making a pro career. Okay, so you, uh, a team is allowed to offer more than, I mean, it's you said it was 6000 uh, per year, but a yeah. team can offer yeah. a little bit more than that. So it's it's a bit negotiable? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a bit negotiable. It depends if if the... You know, the player is looking for, let's say that the player that, uh, you know, has, uh, has the opportunity to go to a U.S. college and, uh, you know, the, the place that it was going was a kind of a, uh, $15,000 a year. Okay. And for us, he was getting $6,000. So the team is allowed to, uh, give up to $10,000 to, uh, kind of a match, uh, what was the offer from the uh, college. I see. Okay, and does it matter if the player was, you know, a, a first-round pick of the Halifax Mooseheads or a seventh-round pick uh, of the uh, Quebec Rempar or a player who was just listed? Um, do they all get the same package, or if you're a first-round pick, do you get more than uh, the the tenth-round guy? No, they all get the same package. It doesn't matter if uh, you know you've been a first-round draft pick or tenth-round draft pick or uh, signed on a tryout. Uh, you get the same as soon as you play in our league. Uh, and you meet the criteria, you're eligible to receive the uh, school bursary package from the queue. Excellent. That's the same as it is out here as well. And uh, the last question about the scholarship package is, is a team allowed, uh, because I know the, the, the competition to recruit players, say it's an American player and uh, there are, and he's undrafted and several teams would like to, to try to uh, get his uh, rights to come play in, in the queue. Can a team offer say, two or three years of that scholarship package up front, or is that against the rules? No, it's against the rule. You have to go to school when you're done playing major junior, and you pay uh, the school package when a player submit his uh, school school marks uh, and, and all that. So, uh, no, you have, to, you have to go to school before you get their money. That's what I thought. Um, a couple more questions for Gilles Courteau, uh, the commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. We just had the import draft uh, not that long ago, and I know that's that's always been a, uh, a a draft that a lot of people have said it's it's more about what deals you can make with player agents than it is necessarily drafting the best player that's available. How do you how is it monitored uh, across the all three Canadian hockey leagues that everybody's playing by the same rules and that no one is offering deals on the side and and, and that sort of thing. No, no one is uh, is offering deal on the side as uh, we're uh, we're aware of. 
uh, we have uh, we have rules in place that if someone wants to put a complaint about one of the teams and has some proof and all that, we hire an independent committee that is going to look at it and uh, get back to us with some recommendation. And uh, there's some uh, very severe sanction attached to it. So, uh, you know, since we uh, we've made some uh, some changes among the three leagues on how you know we were to. Uh, uh, treat the import players when they're coming to play, when, they, when they're coming to play in the CHL. I think we've made a huge improvement and, uh, now everybody knows exactly what's going on and, uh, uh, what they can, they can and cannot do. So, uh, I'm very, very pleased about, uh, how things go with the, uh, import draft. I personally like that you can draft goaltenders again, uh, out of it with the import draft. Is that something that you, uh, uh were happy to see come back as well? Well, I think that if you remember, you know, we uh, made that decision to uh, uh, do not draft any more uh, goalie, uh, import goalie, at the request of Hockey Canada mm-hmm. uh, because of so many reasons. But, uh, you know, uh, two years ago, we've been able to uh, sit down with them uh, and uh, express uh, to them our concern in regards of the uh, goalie development in Canada. Uh, and, uh, why do we have to keep the goaltender situation, uh, completely a part of the CHL draft? And, uh, they understood our point and, uh, they, they agree with us that we should bring back, uh, the import goalie, uh, a, a goalie, uh, an import goalie being eligible to be drafted in the uh, CHL import draft. And it went well for the last two years. Uh, last one for me, uh, at least, uh, uh, when I look at the, the the website for the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, one of the things I really like is that uh, it's July. I can go to a team's uh, roster page and see every player that the team holds the rights to. Uh, you can't do that with the OHL and the WHL, and that's frustrating for for me, and I'm sure for a lot of fans. Why why do you guys uh, allow that? Well, because uh, I, I think it's important. First of all, for the benefit of the players. It's important for him to go on a, on, on a, the team website and know that uh, he see his name, uh, can show it to his friend that he belongs to Bekomo Drakar or Shkudimi Sagne or Quebec Ramparts or Halifax Mooseheads, and he's proud of it. And uh, secondly, uh, for the benefit of, of you guys as the media, if you want to know who's going to be uh, invited to the next training camp of uh, Moncton Wildcats, you go on their site, you see the uh players list and uh you see uh when uh, that player has been drafted uh where he comes from and all that you have all the uh the info that you need uh and uh thirdly for us uh we exercise a better control on uh who's coming to the training camp mm-hmm. uh the school aspect it's much easier to register a player at that time there's so many positive thing, things to do uh, the way we, uh, we did it, uh, the way we do it to make sure that, uh, you know, with uh, that player's list, you know, we, uh, can generate as, uh, as much information as we can. And I lied. There was one more. There's a CHL president, uh, that will be, uh, that will be hired. Uh, are you and Ron and, uh, and Dave Branch, uh, are you, are you, are the three of you going through resumes and, uh, and conducting, uh, interviews yourselves? No, we, we did, you know, first of all, we, uh, we went through a headhunter, uh, and we did some, uh, some interviews, uh, following the headhunter recommendation, uh, during the World Cup in Halifax. We did some in Toronto. 
couple of weeks ago, and uh, we continue the process. And uh, we hope someone, we hope to have someone in place by uh, uh, mid-September at the latest. Excellent. All right, that's all the questions I have for you today. I really appreciate you making the time. I said we were going to go about 20, 25 minutes, and we might have gone a little bit more than that. So I thank you for your time. Uh, enjoy the rest no of uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. Although it's no, there is no off season yeah. for you, but uh, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you again. I appreciate you making the time. All right, yes, bye bye. That was Gilles Courteau, the commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, continuing with the Ask the Commish, a theme that we have going this month. Last week, we had uh, Ron Robinson from the WHL. The uh, week prior was Kevin Abrams from the CJHL. And we're going to continue that uh, right through the rest of July. have requests out for uh, David Branch out of the OHL. Uh, and uh, Tom Garrity from the USHL have requested the um, NAHL. I do have a date set up with uh, the commissioner of the uh, MJHL. If there's another league that I haven't just mentioned that uh, you want to hear more from, oh, the KIJHL as well, Junior B in uh, BC. Had a lot of people on Twitter asking me for to get somebody from that league on. Uh, so the request is into their league office. Have not heard back, though, uh, from the KIJHL, but not due to a lack of effort. Wasn't planning on talking Junior B this month, but uh, so many people asked me to that, okay, I... I uh, I bow to the will of the audience and uh, put in the request, but have not heard yet from the KIJHL. Uh, let me know what you thought of uh, what Mr. Corto had to say. Obviously, some of the uh, more controversial uh, topics, uh, including the uh, just an awful story with the Sherbrooke Phoenix a few years ago there with the uh, what I would call assault, the hazing incident. And uh, man, I thought we were way past that by now. Uh, we heard some stories. Dan Carcillo was public about uh, incident that he went through as a rookie back in the early 2000s I believe it was and even then I thought man I thought that hazing stuff was a thing of the past you know back in the 80s or something like that but uh, um, apparently it was still going on as uh, as recently as the early 2000s and then this news that it happened in uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League 2 investigation obviously uh, still uh, ongoing and I, I don't see why a player would make that up I just hope that the uh, whoever is held responsible, I hope the, the, the penalty is significant so that this is significant enough that it's a deterrent so that this doesn't happen anymore because that, it's crap. To me, it's illegal, and uh, or it should be illegal if it isn't. I don't, I don't want to have the leagues that I cover, whether it's the north or south of the border, uh, being associated with that kind of behavior, and I, I, I just I think it's garbage. Uh, also, uh, got Jill Corto's update on the the whole CHL uh, class action lawsuit against the CHL. And at the end, I wanted to ask him uh, about uh, the the way you can go to the Q's website and, and see the entire roster for teams. I think that's fantastic. And I mentioned that to Ron Robinson last week of the WHL, who said he wasn't aware that the Q was doing that, and furthermore that the WHL wasn't doing that. Uh, and I looked. Today, it's been uh, a week or so since I had that conversation with Ron Robinson. Still the case uh, for the WHL. But let me know what you thought of the uh, conversation with uh, Gilles Courteau. You can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy and uh, correspond that way. Next up, another Ask the Commission segment. Check that. It's Ask the Prez as uh, Bill Chow is the president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Let's talk a little SJ next here on the Pipeline Show.
Hi, it's Colton Point of the Carlton Place Canadians. Hey, it's Matthew Barnaby of the Pembroke Lumber Kings. Hello, it's Matthew Seaston here from the Sandback Pistons. Hey, it's Nick Campoli from the North York Rangers. Giant Iconic here. I'm Dante Fabro of the Penticton Bees. Hi, this is Dennis Chilofsky playing for the Chilliwack Chiefs. Hey, it's Kale McCarr of the Brooks Bandits. I'm Jacob Bernard Docker of the Oak Trophy Oilers. Nicholas Jones of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. This is Cody Kunick, formerly played for the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Kevin Cron, former Spruce Grove Saint. I'm Brandon Hickey, former member of the Spruce Grove Saints. This is David Glenn of the Spruce Grove Saints. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Spruce Grove Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. These Spruce Grove Saints are excited to unveil their first ever hockey school. Taking place August 19th to 23rd right here at the Grant Fear Arena. Brought to you by Subway and Humpty's Restaurants of Spruce Grove. This one-week hockey school includes over 10 hours of on- and off-ice instruction from Saints coaching staff and current Saints players. Each camp participant will receive a camp jersey and a t-shirt to keep and have one on-ice and one off-ice session per day. Each day will have a specific focus to enhance the skating, shooting, and puck handling skills of each player. Both boys and girls of all levels of all experience are encouraged to come out and take part. To cap off the week, each group will have a Subway sub party with the Saints coaches up in the lounge. Visit www.sprucegrovesaints.ca to sign up for the Hockey School now. Click on the Hockey School tab on the right side of the page. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. I'm a mog, half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Keith Flaming, and we're going to continue on with our uh, what we're doing in July, where it's the Ask the Commission, or I guess today it's Ask the President, as I'm uh, joined by the president of the Saskatchewan uh, Junior Hockey League. That's Bill Chow. Bill, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Uh, very good, Guy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you making the time, and I've been joking with all my uh, other guests that, uh, for me, July is pretty much the only off-season or off uh, uh, the the off season of my hockey calendar, at least, because uh, not no games going on or anything. But I, I'm finding out that for everybody that runs leagues, July's pretty busy. I assume it's the same for you. Yeah, well, you know, I think uh, I think if you're not doing work in July, you might get caught uh, a little bit short in September and October. So hmm. uh, now's the time to get things ready for the coming year, and uh, that's just the way it goes. And uh, like I said, it's it's uh, you're better to be on top of it than wet, uh, letting it run you over. Uh, that's a good policy for sure. Uh, before we get to what's coming ahead uh, this coming season for the SJ, let's uh, look back at the season that was. What were some of the highlights for the SJHL this past year? Well, I think our parity, and I think our parity has been uh, really great uh, for the now last past number of years. Uh, you know, I think you know we kind of reshaped our playoff format a number of years ago as well, and in which, uh, you know, I mean, our, our divisions are used to be a north-south situation where, mm. you know, in, in theory, you could take off your, you know, if you were a south team going north, uh, those those points really didn't matter. So you could take a couple of those games off, and as, as long as you stayed ahead of the teams in your division, well, then you probably make the playoffs. But we changed that uh, a couple of years back, and what we do now is uh, – Everybody uh, for for the playoffs, uh, your, your points are all the same. They're all in the you, numerically, 
Uh, so it's uh, the top points are seeded first, and whoever's last is last. And so all the points mean a lot, and uh, all the games mean a lot. So there's no day nights off. So that's interesting, uh, and this is fairly unique, I'm guessing, across the CJHL. You have it's a 12 team league. You have three divisions of four teams, but when it comes to playoff seeding, you have you rank them one to twelve. Correct. That's what we do. And uh, uh, this year we've changed. Uh, moving ahead, I mean, I'm jumping ahead on you on this one, but. Uh, we used to have what we used to call a wild card series, and it used to be uh, 11 and 12 team would be eliminated, but teams 7 through 10 uh, would have a best of three wild card series, and then the, the teams that won would come back in and be seated 7th and 8th. But uh, this year we've gotten, uh, there's going to be no longer the wild card, so it's even going to be more competitive. Uh, because it's the top eight teams that make it. And, uh, you know, so that means four teams are eliminated. So it's going to be tough down the road. And, uh, you know, we've had uh, seasons where it's the last week of the year before the final playoff spots are, are figured out. So it'll be competitive again this year. Oh, that's uh, that's really interesting. I kind of like that change. Now, you did make that the initial uh, where you went from two conferences to three divisions. I think that was after the 2013 season, if I remember correctly uh and it's it's uh produced the results that you wanted i think so you know i uh you know what it was about was i mean the divisions are important uh you know for the teams to play within their own divisions and and you know they're playing uh some rivalry games within those divisions and and uh, you know that part of part of the hockey season but again you know i mean when we came to the playoffs it was making sure or, or just during the regular season that all those games were important for everybody. And so, you know, they'd always take a look at the 1 through 12 standings because those are the important ones. Hmm. Uh, when did you become the uh, president of the SJHL, Bill? I started in May of 2011. Okay, 2011. How much has the, the league changed in your tenure outside of uh, that divisional alignment? Anything else that really uh, been transformative? Well, I think, you know, when it, when it comes to the, I mean, it's like uh, hockey in general, um, has changed to the degree of, you know, the, the speed of the game has increased, uh, the player safety has increased, uh, you know, it's more an emphasis on the skill part of the game, uh, you know, than, than the physical part of the game. Uh, and, and I think that's really, you know, shown a, a skill part of the game has really shown an increase in the last number of years in our league. Uh, you know, we're still, you know, a wee bit older, but not that much older than some of the other leagues, of course, the, the CJHL rule is the maximum of nine 20-year-olds, and we have um, the maximum of eight 20-year-olds uh, in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. So it makes us a little bit younger than we have been. Uh makes it competitive to try and attract those younger players, which I think you know the coaches and the teams are doing a better job at and, and have been doing a good job, but it's uh, it's uh, it's tough to get those kids to committed to uh, to come out and play sometimes. I was, was going to ask about the overage uh, limit. Uh, that's a... A question from a, a listener that I'll get to a little bit later. We'll get back to that in a minute. Um, I've been asking the other uh, presidents and commissioners that I've been having on the show here this month just what the uh, how much authority you have to make changes on your own, or is it done by committee through uh, governors or or whoever it's set up in the SJHL? Uh, how how do you go about if you wanted to make a rule change like the divisional uh, realignment? Um, is that done by committee, or do you just do that yourself? No, it's all done through committee and basically governors. I mean. You know, obviously, you know, the, the conversation, you know, for the most part starts, starts off as a casual conversation. You know, uh, it's coaches that see a lot of things that, you know, 
they're involved in the game on a day-to-day basis and, and they're, you know, seeing what, what the other leagues and other higher leagues are changing to. And, you know, sometimes those ideas come from that and sometimes it's just ideas that come out of, you know, because you're involved in the game on a day-to-day basis. And so, you know, from there, that conversation carries on into a governor's meeting and, you know, it's brought to the governors and, you know, and the, and the coaches have their say. And uh, I've asked of my opinion as to, you know, what would make the league better. And, and then, uh, you know, the government, governors have the final say as to the vote as to, you know, whether that change goes through or not. Uh, where are you based out of, Bill? I'm based out of Prince Albert. Uh, no team in Prince Albert, though. So are you traveling a lot? Uh, well, I, I do travel a lot, but, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, I put on probably, I've averaged probably over the last eight, nine years, it's, it's somewhere close to that, between that 27 and 32,000 kilometers a year across the province a couple times, and then plus playoffs and all that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just being there and, and involved kind of thing. And, so, you know, it, it involves quite a bit of travel. And if you don't like driving, it's probably not a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, the, there's a lot of people that have to do that in the in the hockey world, that's for sure. Um, I, I got to ask you about the uh, the humble Broncos situation. And it was obviously the, the bus tragedy uh, from a couple of, well, I guess, what, about 18 months ago now. Last season, was there a bit of a, a dark cloud that kind of hung over everything? and Or what was the, the mood around the league last year? No, I, you know, I, I don't think, uh, I don't, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say it was a dark cloud. I, I would want to say that it was a concerned cl- uh, cloud and a cloud of, uh, you know, just being aware and conscientious of, of people and, and, you know, what people were going through and, and how people were handling things and, and, you know, in, in that regard. But, you know, I think uh, for the most part when, uh, you know, Humboldt played, I mean, uh, nobody you know, went out of their way and gave them any uh, soft games, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody knew that they were there to compete and, and uh, everybody competed hard and a lot of good games. And I mean, it, you know, they went to the second round of the playoffs and, and you know, they got knocked out in the, in the second round. So, I mean, you know, they had a competitive team, which was good. And then that was, you know, the biggest uh, factor. And then, you know, um, I, you know, a lot of, uh, work went into making that team competitive. Uh, and so, you know, you know, obviously they, they needed to be recognized or should be recognized for the efforts they put into that. Well, the league was certainly in the, in the, uh, spotlight uh, after that tragedy. And I mean, everybody in the hockey world and south of the border, ESPN, TSN, everybody really, uh, rallied <clears throat> behind the, uh, the Broncos and the SJHL. I don't know how to word it properly, but it almost feel like there was a bit of pressure to, to respond last year and and to to build positively moving forward after such a tragic event. Well, there there was. I mean, obviously, when you have that many eyes on you and and things like that, uh, you know, you're you're under the microscope. Uh, yeah. And and for the most part, uh, things were you know positive. Uh, you know, microscopes, I guess, if you want to put it in that phrase. Uh, you know, but I think you know, but you know, it's it's a team, right? And so. That team is run by uh, uh, the specific organization, so I, I mean, I think they probably had more pressure on them uh, to be have some type of success or be able to move forward, and, and which they did. You know, I mean, everything that they did, uh, you know, I mean, from the opening game being nationally broadcast uh, to every move that they made was was obviously uh, you know under the microscope. So, 
a lot of positives came uh, out of everything that they accomplished and they did. And, and again, you know, I mean, it went, uh, there was a lot of work by a volunteer board, uh, you know, and, and uh, volunteers that, uh, you know, took the tickets at the gate and, you know, that, that just, you know, they just went to work and they got things done. Bill Chow is the president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in our Ask the Commission or Ask the President uh, segment uh, here today. Uh, let's get to some of the questions from the audience. And Lucas Pancari, who writes for the paper there in Prince Albert, uh, submitted a couple of questions. Uh, the first is, uh, we're through five editions of the SJHL draft. How do you feel it's working out? Well, I think the draft has made, uh, you know, teams uh, all work hard and, and diligently to make sure that they're drafting players that they want to draft and, and doing some homework on them. Uh, you know, I think uh, it, it has probably made it uh, put teams on a bit more of a level playing field when the draft was in, uh, introduced mm -hmm. uh, because now, you know, players, it wasn't so much uh, that players don't have any control over where they go, but it was more of a team's decision on, on who they wanted to recruit. So, I think that made things work uh, a little bit more across the board when it comes to the 12 teams, uh, you know, throughout the league and throughout the province. So was there a concern before the draft was implemented that uh, th there was a bit of an imbalance when it came to recruiting? There was, you know, the, the haves and the have-not teams maybe, to maybe for lack of a better uh, phrase? Well, you know, I, I guess, you know, we, we could, you know, use that phrase as a bit of a have-have-not, I think. You know, in some instances, I think there were some teams that had a little bit of an easier uh, way of recruiting than other teams did. Um, and I think that, you know, with the draft, uh, that, you know, leveled that playing field out. Lucas's other question is, uh, how can the league keep talented young players in the province instead of them heading uh, elsewhere upon leaving midget AAA? He uses the example of Harrison Bladell, who uh, was in the BCHL this year, and Luke Reed, who was uh, in the BCHL a couple of years ago. Yeah, and you know, I, and I think with one or maybe even both of those players, I actually believe it was a family move that created those situations. But, you know, it does happen, and it does happen, uh, you know, the other way as well. Uh, you know, obviously, I think all the provinces would like their players to stay in their own province and play. But, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's um, you know, for a lack of a better term, it's a, it's a free world, and you know, and sometimes uh, people think that the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And and I think you know, in the long run, I think when you know, if you were to really do a study into it, for all the players that leave, there's the majority of those end up probably coming back. Uh, you know, in my eight years that you know I've been involved with the league directly, uh, you know, let's just say there, you know, I mean, there's been more than 10, but if 10 left, I'm sure that eight probably return at some point in time in their career. All right. Uh, Bill, I mentioned the, uh, the overage question was coming and this one is, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. You, ha you have it at eight. Why not go even younger? I know, I, I think it's six in the AJHL. If I'm, uh, I might be incorrect on that. I, and I believe I had Kevin, Kevin Abrams on, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the, uh, chairman of the CJHL and, and he overlooks the, the CCHL. I think it was six in his league as well. Why eight? Well, uh, you know, again, it's one of those things. It's one of those questions that, you know, is brought up by the coaches and, and discussed uh, with the coaches and then uh, brought forward to the governors. And, you know, and I think, I, I think when you have a, a major AAA league in Saskatchewan that, uh, 
has a tendency to attract some of those 17-year-olds and keep some of those 17-year-olds a little bit longer than maybe some of these other leagues, it becomes a bit of a challenge because you can't bring in a 17-year-old from out of province, right? So they can't transfer between province and province. So you're recruiting 17-year-olds to come and play or younger, you know, uh, but with with the with the AAA league in Saskatchewan, I mean they they've done a great job and they're very competitive because they're you know usually in that uh, Talus Cup uh, challenging for the you know the regionals or it's the national event. So they they've got strong teams, which means you know they've got some of those older players and some of those players are first year seventeen year olds that have maybe played midget AA. But regardless. You know, that's that's a bit of a challenge for our teams to try and get those 17-year-olds up. But there's nothing saying that teams cannot have less than eight. And I think if you were to look at our roster, probably our roster averaged out probably at about five, if I'm not mistaken, last year okay. uh, for the number of 20-year-olds across the board. But that's a number that, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, reducing down to, you know, a lesser number than eight. But uh, right now, with just the situation, and like I said previously, uh, with uh, you know those 17-year-olds that are playing, and I mean uh, a lot of those, some of those players, you know, 17-year-olds, uh, they're attracted to the Western League, and and so they go there to play, and so uh, you know, it, and then some of those 17-year-olds stay in the mid Triple A League. So it's a bit of a challenge when you're trying to recruit that 17-year-old, and so allowing you know, that the teams to have, uh, you know, a higher age limit in some cases uh, isn't a bad thing for us just because then you don't have players on teams that maybe aren't quite ready. I know that in BC, certainly BC, the uh, the Alberta Junior League has a, a number of teams that do it as well, but uh, attracting American players to, to come and play, uh, is uh, do you find a lot of Americans uh, ending up in the SJ? Yeah, we're finding more. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, I think... Uh, my previous background in hockey, I've, I worked in the Western League as a scout for 28 years or whatever it was. But, I mean, the American players are, uh, you know, they've been improving uh, their skill level is, uh, I'm not going to say second to none, but it's getting up there. Uh, their team uh, game is becoming better. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of players that are looking for places to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, junior A hockey uh, is, is a place for them to you know, move up a level. Um, it's a competitive league, uh, obviously, in, in the, the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. So in some cases, they're looking for more competition or a higher level of competition, which brings them up to the top, up to Canada. Bill, another uh, fan question or listener question, uh, no name on this one, but uh, the question is, any chance the SJHL fully digitizes its historical statistical record prior to the uh, 2010-11 season? Uh, being individual games and and uh, league records, things like that. Well, you know we've uh, we've made those attempts, and and I think what the issue is there's it's been a number of times in which um, the SJHL has trained or has changed um, suppliers, I guess, of of uh, of the league stats and and uh, the historical data. Right. And I think the biggest challenge there is is having that data and being able to archive it into a different system. So that's that is a big challenge, uh, and and uh, we have discussed it. But of course, there's not a large staff in junior A hockey, and so you're always trying to find different ways of doing things at a reduced cost. And sometimes those are challenging. Uh, times or challenging ways to do things i i noticed the the sjhl website and if i wanted to find stats and standings and, and things 
it's a it's a slightly different website with hockey tech involved. Uh, so the kind of um, second party, all, all the stats and stuff like that, yeah, it's like through the year. Uh, yeah, well, we have uh, we have a volunteer that uh, takes care of you know like the game stats and checks the game stats. But I mean, it's in each individual team has their own volunteers that do the the the. Uh, scorekeeping and, and telling of the points and, and the game game day uh, game sheets that are, uh, you know, put into the system. And then we have one person that takes care of all that to verify everything. So okay. it's really a volunteer-based situation. And, uh, you know, and like I said, it's, there's a cost factor to everything. And so you're trying to make sure that, you know, whatever money you're having, you're spending it in an appropriate way. Uh, Michael has asked uh, anything in regards to expansion or are you comfortable with the current alignment? And my question al- along with that is just because of the, uh, the geography of where your teams are located through the province, there are some outliers. Certainly Flin Flon is, and, and LaRange are kind of up on their own, but even Kindersley playing in the, the division where they are, they're off on their own on the, the western side of the province. Are there some uh, some locations that you could consider uh, going into still? Well, there are, uh, you know, I think the first two that would probably come to mind would be, uh, there's a community, uh, Warman, uh, has, has a nice facility, um, a number of years ago, probably about five or six years ago now, there was some interest into possibly putting in a, an expansion team into that, uh, community and, and, you know, they did a feasibility study and, uh, and they didn't uh, deem it to be, uh, feasible at that time. Um, there's been people that have, you know, inquired periodically, but, uh, no group has come forward to, you know, um, pursue a, a new franchise into that community. So, you know, until, uh, until somebody has the interest and desire to, you know, to, cause it's a lot of work, uh, you know, and to, to put that, fran- put, to put a franchise into that community, you know, it'll stay, you know, vacant i guess if you want to put it that but it's not like the sjhl has a hold on that community for a franchise either uh the other community that i would think you know i mean uh it's been talked about off and on is uh, uh meadow lake you know i think that that may have a possibility of, of a franchise but again it's uh, it's up to the community to make that determination and uh and whether they want to, you know, a, a junior A team and and go through that process of determining whether they can financially make it viable and make it work. What's your relationship, uh, or not yours personally, or yours personally, but uh, between the SJHL and the WHL? Because obviously there's some big markets where the WHL is located. And in Alberta, we've got a couple of uh, uh, AJHL teams in around the Edmonton area, and they seem to, to live uh, well with the Edmonton Oil Kings here different size markets i understand that but could you ever see the sj get into saskatoon or, or regina or moose jaw well again you know i mean that would be driven by people that would have interest in putting teams in there you know obviously there's facilities that would be able to host a junior a team uh in those communities that you mentioned uh you know and i mean you know with today's you know, the way things are, I mean, I'm not sure if it would be financially viable. I mean, obviously, I, you know, we'd, we'd sit and if somebody was that interested, we'd sit back and take a long, hard look at it and make sure that they were structured in a financially viable manner. Uh, but, you know, I mean, again, it would, uh, it would take a group of people that would want to have junior A hockey in those uh, locations. All right, the SJHL is one of 10 CJHL leagues uh, under the CHL, uh, CJHL umbrella. 
uh, across the country. And this question isn't specific to, to just yourself, but uh, when you're looking at uh, how you operate with the other nine CJHL leagues, do you feel like you have the necessary mechanisms to enforce rules on recruiting violations across the country? And, and do you have confidence that all 10 leagues and all the teams in those leagues are abiding by the same rules? Well, I believe so. I mean, you know, there are rules within the CJHL that would really make it um, hazardous or, you know, um, it would cost you a lot of money if you were to break those rules, I guess is the easiest way of saying it, which is the truth. You know, so, I mean, there are rules in place, um, you know, and I think people have to realize or operators have to realize what those consequences are. Uh, you know, teams within my league are very well, uh, informed as to what those consequences and those sanctions would be. So, you know, I, I just, you know, is it a fear factor? Absolutely. Because, you know, I think it would probably cripple, uh, some, if not all, any franchise that was, uh, that would, you know, break those or create violations within the recruiting, uh, uh, realms of, of, of junior A hockey. So I think it's, uh, you know, I think there are rules in place that uh, would make it uh, very difficult to break. Um, I mean, I guess there's the old saying that if you're not cheating, you're not trying. But I think in this case, if you're caught cheating, I think it could cost you your team. So I don't believe anybody in the SJHL would want to do that because we're all volunteer-based in Saskatchewan. They're all community owned. So I don't think, you know, in, in, in the SJHL, I don't think there's that risk factor of, of somebody saying, well, you know what, uh, I'm above that and, and, uh, you know, we'll just spend the money and do whatever we need to do to have a winning team. So I don't think, I don't see that in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. As for the other leagues, obviously, you know, they have to be held accountable. And I think, uh, you know, if uh, somebody breaks rules, obviously there's going to be somebody that knows and, Somebody's going to talk sooner or later, and then that's where it all comes out. And, uh, you know, the CJHL uh, would have to be challenged to deal with it. Bill, this question comes from Daryl. I don't know the background on, on what he's talking about, so uh, bear with me. And I don't know if this is a loaded question or not. But uh, his question is, is the Saskatchewan develop mo- development model working? He says there are two academy teams in the Saskatchewan Midget League taking away from the development of Saskatchewan players, would the SJHL ever pressure the Saskatchewan Hockey Association to send them to the CSSHL? Well, the Saskatchewan development model has worked fairly well. Um, and basically what it is, is it's a, it's an agreement that between the mid to triple A league, the junior A league and the Western hockey league, that there will be a constant communication when it comes to recruiting of players and that, whatever is in the best interest of the player is what the team is supposed to do. I.e., if there's a kid, you know, playing midget that, you know, the junior A team wants to bring up and, you know, there's no conflicts of schedules or anything like that, then that communication is known. And so then that player gets to go and play up some games and no different than when it comes to the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League and the relationship that we have with the Western Hockey League. You know, there's kids that have, you know, played games in the Western Hockey League or they're committed to playing in the Western Hockey League that want to play and want to go up and down. And, and so, you know, we make that work uh, within within the Saskatchewan development model. Now, <clears throat> when it comes to the hockey academies and, and, and those types of things, you know, I mean, being, being around the game as long as I have been, you know, there's there's some of that factor of, of uh players being removed from communities on their own choice 
uh, and going to these academies, which I think is a reflection of uh, diminishing of some of those smaller communities and some of their uh, their minor hockey programs. So in that regard, but then again, um, you know, I mean, there's a cost factor for these players going to these academies and, and uh, it's a huge cost factor in, in some cases. And so, you know, uh, it, that part of it doesn't seem to be a deterrent for the players or for the parents, I guess, more importantly, because they're the ones that are footing the bill. Uh, and so, you know, is it, do I see that something that where we as, as a league would be promoting that uh, again, I don't think that's for us to be promoting one way or the other. I, I think those are decisions that parents and families need to make uh, in making sure that, uh, you know, it's affordable and it's a viable option for them. Uh, um, you know, I think when teams or players can play at home and, and uh, you know, it's the old saying, if you're good enough, they're going to find you. And I think uh, some people are forgetting that uh, that common factor. All right, thanks for that, Bill. Uh, last subject I wanted to, to uh, uh, talk about with you was the um, the ongoing class action lawsuit against the CHL, and and if you have any concerns with how that could trickle down and affect uh, your league and, and in fact amateur sport uh, across the country, uh, your your players uh, travel; they have long bus rides too. I mean, going Kindersley to uh, to Estevan, uh, I don't know how long of a trip that is, or Balfour up to Flin Flon. Uh, but time on the bus, and I'm sure there's community uh, outreach that all the teams do, going to schools or, or hospitals or whatever. Um, do you have any concerns about uh, what happens with the class action lawsuit against the CHL? Um, you mean the one regarding the minimum wage? Thing? Yes, yes. If, I mean, if players yeah. are going to get paid in the WHL for traveling on the bus and going to see kids in schools, how does that affect you? Well, uh, you know, uh, I think it, it's a short answer. I think uh, you would see a lot of teams being folded up because, uh, you know, in, in our cases, in, uh, you know, in our league, uh, we're all community-owned teams. Um, and so, you know, if, if the players would want to get paid, I, I think you would have volunteers wanting to get paid as well uh, for, for the time and the efforts that they put in. Uh, you know, so I think it would be really detrimental to junior hockey in Saskatchewan if, if, uh, if that was to become, uh, the law, uh, per se. And, and I think that would be the death of, uh, of a lot of junior A teams and leagues across the country, uh, in my opinion. But I could be wrong, uh, but that would be my, that's, that would be my opinion. I mean, right now the lawsuit is not uh, involving the CJHL, but, if it went through against the CHL and and it passed, you just I I don't know how it wouldn't trickle down to your league eventually, um, the, and that's that's how you see it as well. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, I don't see how you could avoid that from happening uh, because you know I mean you you have you make a good point, uh, Guy, when you when you say it in that fashion that well, you know how could you stop it from not trickling down to junior hockey. Uh, I mean, you know, let's be honest. I mean, the Western Hockey League is a great league and everything else, but the difference between the Western Hockey League and the Junior A leagues across Canada, I mean, I mean, there's a difference, but there's no difference in the way that things are done. I mean, there's a different level of player, but but everything else is pretty much done the same way when it comes to you know the the class action lawsuit that we're talking about. And lastly, before we uh, go, what uh, what else is on the horizon here for the SJHL? What what's in store for the rest of the summer for you? And what can fans look forward to uh, starting here in uh, I guess camps and opening up in August and all that? 
Well, camps are opening up, I think, last year, you know, just to kind of touch on a couple of highlights. I mean, last year we had a probably pretty close to about a 14 to 15% increase in fan base or fans at the gate, so which was nice to see. Uh, obviously, I think that has a lot to do with how competitive the league is. So, I mean, hopefully that'll stay uh, that direction and keep on going in that direction and uh, attracting more people out to the buildings. I think, you know, when it comes to, like, I mean, last year, I mean, and playoffs are a little bit different because you you don't have the same teams in the playoffs. But, I mean, we pretty much doubled our attendance for the playoffs. But then we had some series that, you know, were going six and seven games where the previous year, you know, we had games that were going four or five, which makes a big difference over the long haul of the playoffs. But so I think it's a really a competitive league. I think it's really attractive for young people to come out and play into. I think, you know, I mean, the teams are doing as good of a job as possible to recruit players. And I think it's exciting. It's a good junior A hockey. And I think uh, the the value of what you're getting for the ticket that you're paying for, I think, is great, great value for, for what you're going to get. Outstanding. Bill, I really appreciate you taking the time here in July and uh, look forward to uh, getting into a, an SJHL rink, uh, hopefully, in the near future so I can uh, check it out for myself. All right. Thanks for the call. That was uh, Bill Chow, the uh, president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Uh, Thanks to him for making the time, and thanks to you, the listeners, who provided a lot of those questions. I hope uh, you're happy with the answers that you got. I know there were some that came in after the interview as well, and they would have been good questions uh, on top of the ones that were asked. So I apologize that we didn't get those ones in, but I think every question that was submitted, to some degree at least, the subject was covered if the question wasn't asked almost verbatim uh, word for word to what what was submitted so thanks to you the audience for sending those questions in as i mentioned in the last segment uh, but just in case you're hearing just this particular segment uh, we had so far we've had kevin abrams the head of the cjhl the chairman we had him on Uh, we had uh, ron robinson from the western hockey league Uh, earlier in this same show this week we had Gilles courteau from the quebec major junior hockey league I do have a set date for when I will uh, be speaking about the Manitoba Junior Hockey League. And requests are in for the OHL, the USHL, the NAHL, and the KIJHL. And hopefully I get the uh, commissioners or presidents uh, from those respective leagues on before the end of July, before the end of Season 14. There's this week, and then uh, three more shows in Season 14 before I take a one-week vacation and come back with Season 15, which will debut the week of uh, August uh, 11th to the 17th, so probably around the 15th, 16th of August will be the start of uh, Season 15 here on the Pipeline Show. Boy, that went quick. Uh, but if there is another league out there that you want to hear from, and uh, the NCHC and the Atlantic Hockey Conferences out of uh, the NCAA, they're on my agenda too. I actually have not uh, put in the request yet, but I will because uh, fans requested uh, to hear about those leagues too. And if there are others that you want to hear from, uh, please let me know. You can get me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. All right, one more segment to go on this week's episode of the show. We're going to head to uh, the Chicago area. We're going to speak with a uh, player agent or a family advisor because he's south of the border and probably will handle a lot of college guys. Uh, His name is Colby Drost. He heads up Paragon Sports Consulting. We'll chat with him next here on the Pipeline Show.
Here comes Jaden Schwartz, pulls the trigger, pats it, it, he scores! What a finish! Yeah, this kid's just special. Jaden Schwartz is just a special, special player. Hi, this is Jaden Schwartz from Colorado College. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Joe Pavelski. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Johnny Gaudreau. And Tori Krupp were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. We're back on The Pipeline Show. We're going to uh, uh, do something special again this week. Last week we had a guest on, a, a player agent. Uh, he's based in Edmonton. This week we're uh, going to chat with somebody who's south of the border. A little bit different environment. So we're going to speak with Colby Drost, who uh, runs Paragon Sports Consulting. Uh, Colby, welcome to The Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. It's uh Real privilege, and obviously you have a great show there, so it's exciting to uh, chat with you for a couple minutes. Well, thanks. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, let's get to uh, get to know what your business is all about and and, uh, and maybe some of your background. Maybe we'll start there. Uh, you yourself were a player. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were you a goalie? Yeah, I was a goaltender. I, I played uh, AAA coming up through the through the, the rankings there, and then I played junior uh, B in the Metropolitan Junior High League when it was actually still kind of a relevant thing uh, back in the day. And then uh, I went to prep school, and I went on to play in the Eastern Junior High League, which was a pretty good league back then. Um, obviously, it's it's changed a lot. and has different names and all that stuff now. Now it's known as the NCDC um, out east. And then I went on to play in Niagara and then uh, the University of New England. And I uh, was a goaltender, obviously, and, and uh, had a pretty good experience. I was able to build a lot of friendships and contacts obviously a lot of coaches that i played against or for now or colleagues um and then i entered kind of the college realm and i got a job out of uh a school at skidmore college in Saratoga springs new york and i was uh trying to hunt down a job really bad i wanted to recruit scout you know be on a staff so uh rob hutchison there hired me as, as an assistant uh, obviously didn't pay very much and I just was like, I, you know, I was willing to drive anywhere and recruited 13 student athletes there. Mm-hmm. And the next year, those, that class helped the uh, program to its second ever national ranking. So, so that was a, that was a, a, a great feather in my cap. And obviously being a small part of that as the players uh, performed and had a lot of success. And then, uh, in between that and Dubuque, like for five years, I, I was a recruiting director for a midget program called Skipjacks Hockey. Um, two brothers, Jason, Jared Kersner, had me just kind of hunt players all over the country. And I went on and recruited 22 players that committed while playing for their midget program. So not like alumni or anything like that. But, I mean, uh, most notable would be Patrick Giles uh, from the National Team Development Program, um, who uh, is at Boston College now. So they have a nice little program there. And uh, obviously that all transpired into the opportunity at Dubuque, where I was the last four years, uh, kind of uh, – was given a great opportunity by Kelly Larson, the general manager, um, originally Jason Lammers, and then Oliver David, who's now the head coach, um, kind of gave me reign to kind of go and scour North America and uh, recruit and, and scout some great players. Obviously, uh, Dubuque, we've had a lot of 
great guys the last three years, everything from Matias Michelli to the Jacksons wins to recruiting guys like Michael Benning, Carter Savoy. So, so I've been really lucky and fortunate. It's been a great experience. Uh, obviously a lot of learning in between all that. Well, you, you mentioned that right at the end there, you mentioned a couple of guys who are from the Edmonton area. Maybe we'll get to them in a second, but uh, now you've gone from Dubuque and, and branched out on your own to, to create Paragon Sports Consulting. Uh, how's that transition been going from working for a team and, and being in a position where you're talking to advisors to now being the advisor yourself? Yeah, I think it gives me a real unique perspective. Like I'm, I'm in it really because I want to help kids. Um, I think there's first, let me say a lot of great people in hockey, but obviously there's just so much today in North America, United States, Canada. It can get confusing. And I think a lot of parents, um, you know, they want what's best for their kids, but at the end of the day, they can research and they just don't know. So I think I bring again a, a different kind of perspective. Like I've worked, you know, a lot of guys have worked in the NHL and stuff like that. Um, you know, I've worked in USHL, college, midgets, you know, I, I, I've dealt with prep schools. I went to boarding school myself. Um, I've obviously traveled to like the BCHL, Alberta Junior Hockey League. I've seen these leagues. I've made great contacts, you know, even everything out, out your way, the CSSHL midgets and um, all the way east to, you know, split season midget hockey programs. So I think, again, I bring a lot of knowledge. Right? I think it's an information-driven uh, age as far as providing parents and players like, hey, here's all the everything laid out and letting them kind of have uh, as much information as possible with a professional opinion and then, you know, letting them decide what's best for them because each player is just, you know, very different uh, depending on just things off the ice, on the ice. So, uh, yeah, I think it's good. It's, it's, it's a great experience. I mean, obviously I know it's built a good network with colleges and whatnot, USHL teams and NA and, and everything in between. Um, and it's just, like I said, I, I think I have a good relationship with most people as far as understanding how they operate. So I'm excited and um, there's been a real good reception as far as with, with uh parents and families, and, and I'm uh, excited to see what happens here. Colby Drost from uh, Paragon Sports Consulting, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, now, uh, Paragon is is fairly new, so I, I don't I don't know if you have a, a big stable of uh, players already that you're you're looking after. But when you talk to players or you talk to parents, what are what are some of the the most frequent questions you get asked? Yeah, I think uh, the most frequent question is like parents just have a an endpoint. Um, they say, hey, my son wants to play in the USHL. Hey, he wants to play Division One. But I really look at the roadmap. Um, like I said, every kid is different. Um, I mean, we see it even with very high-end kids, you know, just as rest, this recent USHL draft. I mean, kids decide to go to the BCHL for their own um, opinions on, on, on their development or, or, or their experience or whatnot. So, you know, you know, to say that you, there's a there's a stop point for every kid, you don't know. But I think what you do now until you get to college is extremely important. So I kind of lay out a roadmap. I think parents then stop asking as many questions. I think at the end of the day, they want their son to play Division One and play pro, and obviously that's that is the goal. But I think if you're doing everything between now and that ultimate goal, and you're putting the player on a uh, a path for success so they can reach 110 percent of their potential. Uh, I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, I mean, we could sit on this call for an hour talking about, I mean, 24 hours really about all the different paths. I think people don't realize even in the USHL itself, never mind the NHL, I mean, some of the best players that come at the USHL play U16, play U18, then go to the NA, they get drafted to USHL. Um, and then obviously you have super high end players at their age right now at 16 that enter the league and have success. So every kid's different. Um, I mean, we even see kids that don't make it to USHL until they're 20 year olds. So, um, it's just kind of what's best for your son. And I think laying that out as far as all the different paths and opportunities and, and maybe there's things off the ice like academics and off ice strength and conditioning that 
might have a little more benefit to the player as compared to a different program or, or level. Um, and I think that's all stuff that just needs to be um, directed to parents so they can understand it's not just as simple as A to B. It's, it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G, everything in between, you know, so. Now, you're based in the Chicago area, uh, so most I'm assuming most of the players that you'll be talking to at, to this point will be from that area as well, or am I incorrect in that? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be uh, branching out to all over North America. Um, obviously, uh, the last four years, I've watched over 400 games a year, so I know the player pool extremely well. Uh, I think if you ask anyone, I, they'll say I pride myself on recruiting and scouting, so I'm looking to, to kind of be all over the place. Um, I enjoy that. I enjoy meeting new players, new families, um, you know, providing them what I have to offer to be a small part of their careers and hopefully success down the road. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, like I said, I'm from New Jersey, so I know the whole eastern uh, part of the United States. Um, obviously, I recruited a lot of kids from Alaska and California for other, you know, uh, things on my resume. And, uh, you know, when I, for example, when I recruited uh, Michael Benning at Carter Savoy, uh, initial recruitment, um, I lived in Alberta for two weeks uh, two years ago. Uh, and I was actually there for one of those like worst snowstorms I've ever had. So I built uh, over those two weeks some good contacts with midgets and the Alberta League. And obviously, uh, I kind of covered the BCHL as well. So I'm kind of just looking to branch out everywhere. I don't think you could be an expert everywhere, but I think, uh, you know, if you do things the right way, you'll have success. So now you've mentioned Michael Benning and Carter Savoy a couple of times. So we'll get to them now, I suppose. Uh, both of those players sure. last I heard. They're staying at Sherwood Park playing with the Crusaders before they go on to college, uh, unless you know something I don't. Yeah, I think it's just year to year and everything, you know, and, and that's between them and Denver as far as, uh, what their path is going to be. But obviously I know Dubuque's hopeful they'll play a year before college. Um, like I said, I think it's just to be seen as far as what Denver and what they decide best for themselves. But obviously tremendous players, both great kids. Uh, I remember meeting Michael. Uh, when I was out there and he, he had a huge smile on his face and just, uh, you could tell he loved playing the game and he's obviously a, a elite talent. So, um, it'll be exciting to see them, whether they do play in Dubuque or go right on to Denver. But, um, I know Dubuque is, is, uh, just kind of, you know, it's between, uh, the players in Denver and what's best for them. So. All right. Um, now, uh, when I've talked to, I, uh, listen, I, I am try to be as unbiased as I possibly can. I'm in WHL territory and the Canadian Hockey League, obviously the Alberta Junior Hockey League, really big here. As well, but I know that the college route is not for everybody. I know the major junior route is not for everybody. When you talk to players and uh, and their families, um, I, I'm sure you see that as well. That you might be talking to a player who's you know he's not a student and going to uh, the NCAA probably not the right path for him. Do you direct players uh, depending on what you see as well, or do you leave it completely up to the parents and the family? Yeah, no, I think it stems back to information and each player, right? Um, I think showing kids data and information on why this path might be better for them, right? Uh, as far as if it's NCAA, because it gives them extra years to develop, and that means playing in the USHL. And I mean, we even see NHL draft picks that get drafted and play a year in the USHL again before going to college, right? So, and, and then you also have kids that go right from college into, I'm sorry, right from prep school right into college. So, like I said, every kid's different. Same thing with major junior. I mean, you have kids in Canada, their minds are set on that's what they want to do, right? Because they grow up and that's what they know. And it's, that's that's their, you know, Denver, Boston College. That's, that's what they want. Um, but I think, you know, kids in Canada, like, again, if they're given information and see what the benefits are, um, you know, for some kids, it, it would be a better path to go to college. Um, obviously, those extremely high-end players, elite talents, 
you know, Major Junior is, is, is a great route for them, right? So I think, again, it just goes back to the player, the person, um, you know, what are they looking for out of the game as far as, uh, you know, where they're at as far as their, their development curve, right? So uh, if they're, you know, looking like they're on that later development path, I mean, you could argue like, hey, you know, playing in the USHL and maybe you get drafted in the NHL and then you get three years of college. I mean, you, you can't get those extra years, um, you know, out of major, major junior. So uh, I think that's really just, comes back to the kid and each kid's different and what's best for them. So. How, how much is known south of the border about the scholastic packages that are offered by the, uh, the Canadian Hockey League and that you could get four or five years of free education uh, uh, after your major junior career is done? Yeah, I think players that are serious about the opportunity are, are going to, you know, educate themselves on that. Um, and, and, and they're going to know. I think, you know, if we took a survey of USA hockey and kids playing AAA, never mind all the other leagues. Uh, I, I bet a lot of parents don't really know. But uh, at the end of the day, if you're considering that or have that opportunity to potentially play major junior, right? Like, you know, we're not even talking about the NHL, but, you know, it's it's a very uh, great opportunity and privilege to be given to play in that level that high. Um, I think those parents are, you know, hopefully they're working with an advisor agent that's, that's providing them that, again, information on what is being laid out for them as far as uh, their package and, you know, what they'll be getting if they sign and play for that program. Uh, organization, but uh, I think that, like I said, the players that are, are interested in that path are, are hopefully educating themselves on all that and understand that, and they have a great advisor and agent that's making sure they're they're well informed on that. So, and it went- I think as a general, back to your question, though, as a general body of of uh, people, I, I would say you know uh, more more people uh, do not know about the, the package details, right? Because yeah. why would they, if, if they're not, uh, being drafted or, or, or being recruited? All right. Um, now when it comes to the, the leagues, the feeder leagues for the NCAA, and that would be the USHL and the NAHL and, and the 10, uh, junior leagues across Canada, like the BCHL, the AJ and, and those further out east. What's the biggest difference between them, uh, as when you're comparing them and not just the quality of them, but opportunities for players? Uh, why would you direct one guy to one league and, and another guy to a different league? Yeah, I think, you know, to start with kind of like the, the second tier leagues, if you want to call them that, like the North American Hockey League tends to be older. I think the last time I pulled up ages in the league, it was around, you know, higher 19s, 20s. Um, it's a heavy league. It's a little slower. Um, obviously still tons of Division One commitments coming out of it. Uh, tons of Division Three commitments coming out of it. Um, I think it's a great league. It's a great stepping stone for a lot of guys. Uh, you know, I think that's the difference. It's very heavy and hard, uh, and it's, it's kind of a man's game. Um, BCHL, from my experience, um, obviously a lot of great teams there, you know, Penticton's and Chilliwack's and whatnot, uh, but, you know, very offensive, uh, a little bit open, um, good skating, skilled players, a lot of plays made. Um, again, very high level, uh, different, right? So now we're talking about the two leagues and their differences and what kind of style as far as, you know, my opinion, maybe someone else is a different one. And the USHL, I mean, the great thing about the league is obviously there's a lot of elite talent in it. Um, and it's, every team is built differently. I mean, you have teams that like to have prep school guys that are more skilled and skate and make, you know, really a lot of plays. And, you know, you have teams that pride themselves on development and are younger and have, you know, very high-end skilled players that can skate. And then you have teams that like to build themselves older and have their top six and bottom six. And, you know, everyone has different opinions on defense and goalies and, at the end of the day, it's just such a great league. I mean, if you look at the NHL draft, I mean, it's got a ton of players getting drafted. You have the national team in there. Um, it's, it's, it's a very well-rounded league as far as 
you can kind of find everything in it. Um, especially at college, you know, they can go there, obviously 99%, 100%, basically everyone's getting committed out of it, um, with the NHL draft games on it. So I think again, it's, it is the best league, but like I said, it's not for everyone. Like, I mean, you see a lot of kids that come out of BCHL and NA and go on and have great college careers and end up playing in the NHL, right? So at the end of the day, it just comes back to like we've been talking about what's best for the player. All right, uh, Colby, anything else that we uh, should let people know about, about uh, either about what you do or about uh, Paragon? No, I, I think if anyone's interested or, you know, looking for information or have questions and just want to pick someone's brain, like feel free to visit my site at uh, ParagonSportsConsulting.com. Again, Colby Jarrell's, uh be happy to answer any questions and provide uh, information. I think the parents out there, I think the biggest thing you can do is, is information, like, Get all sides of the coin. Everyone sometimes has angles, and you just want to know what's real and what's not so you can just put your son in the best situation situation for success. Um, but besides that, I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I'll be listening and, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's a great show. So Thanks, Colby. I appreciate your time. Good luck. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Here's Colby Drost from Paragon Sports Consulting. I appreciate his time on the show, and uh, you can let me know what you thought of what he had to say. One of the things that he said during the interview, and I tried to circle back and, and ask him about it, was the uh, at one point when we were talking about um, CHL and USHL and, and uh, moving forward, and he said that was one of the things he liked about the USHL was you could play junior hockey, and then after that you have three or four years of college hockey, and you can't get that from uh, playing in, in major junior, which is wrong. And that's why I asked him, uh, right, I followed that question up with, you know, how much is known about the, the CHL scholarship package south of the border? Because uh, for those that do know, you can play four, even five years uh, in the WHL, for instance, and then have those same amount of years uh, transferred over to U Sports. So, I mean, a player could play five years in the Western Hockey League and then five years of uh, CIS or U Sport hockey, which is university hockey, and have your education covered while you're doing so. That's 10 years of developmental hockey uh, and then sign a pro contract uh, after that as a number of players have done. Here's just a, a list of University of Alberta players this summer who have signed to play pro hockey uh, now. Luke Philp signs with the Calgary Flames. Stefan Legault signed in the ECHL with the South Carolina Stingrays. Zach Sauchenko signed by the San Jose Sharks. He's a goaltender, played for the Moose Jaw Warriors. A defenseman Graham Craig signs with the Manitoba Moose. Those are both AHL deals. San Jose, uh, Sachenko and uh, Craig signing AHL deals. And uh, both Jason Fram and Brandon McGee are off to the KHL. They're uh, going to play in the uh, with the China, the team from uh, China, in the Kunlun Red Star organization. So, so f- as an example, Brandon McGee, who uh, played in the WHL with the uh, Victoria Royals. He played five full seasons in the Western Hockey League, starting with the Chilliwack Bruins in their last year before moving to Victoria, then four years in Victoria. So he had five years' worth of uh, free education uh, playing for the U of A Golden Bears, of which he only used two, but that's a personal choice. But there's seven years of developmental hockey uh, before he turned pro. Luke Philp, who was a uh, highly sought-after commodity here after his uh, third season with the U of A Golden Bears, he played four full years in the uh, Western Hockey League. In fact, played parts of five. So he had five years of uh, paid-for scholarships, tuition and books to, to go to the University of Alberta. He played three seasons with the U of A, so he has eight years under his belt uh, playing 
developmental hockey in Canada, thanks to the uh, CHL scholarship package. Graham Craig, longtime member of the Swift Current Broncos and the Saskatoon Blades, five years in the Western Hockey League, then took advantage of the uh, the window of opportunity to play a year of pro before uh, cashing in on his scholastic package. Three years at the University of Alberta, so eight years of developmental hockey, and now he has uh, gone to sign on with the um, Manitoba Moose. That's the Winnipeg Jets farm team. So I think it's important to note that, yeah, I think most players would play two or three years in the USHL and then two or three years, or maybe four years, a full four years of NCAA hockey, uh, either Division One or Division Three. But technically speaking, you could play more developmental hockey by going the major junior route and then taking advantage of your scholastic package uh, when your junior eligibility is up. Something to think about uh, for players on both sides of the border. All right, that's going to wrap up this week's episode. Thanks to the three guests that you heard from uh, today. Gilles Courteau, the commissioner of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Uh, Bill Chow, the president of the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. And uh, Colby Dros there from uh, Paragon Sports Consulting. Uh, next week on the show, hope to continue the Ask the Commish, a theme that we've got going here in uh, July. And uh, maybe we'll have another guest or two as well. All of that coming up. Uh, next week thanks to everybody who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show the two ask the commission segments that you heard uh, today have been uh, up on the patreon site for the last three days so uh, patrons have actually heard those interviews uh, well in advance of the release of this week's episode if you want to have early access to go to patreon.com slash the pipeline show see if it's the right fit for you moving forward I mentioned earlier in the show there are, after this one, three more shows to go in Season 14 before I take one week off the first week of August uh, for a uh, family vacation. When I come back, it'll be the start of Season 15 on the Pipeline Show. Until next week's episode, everybody, get out, enjoy some summer. We'll talk to you next week here on the Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. See ya.